Good morning, everyone. We're going to carry on our series, What's So Amazing About Grace? We're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 5. Uh, I'm going to read uh, verses 1 to 6. So if you want to find that, it might also appear on the screen and you can read along. Uh, I'm going to read 1 Peter 5, uh, starting at verse 1. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness to Christ's sufferings who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that's under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those who entrusted you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger submit to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Because God opposes the proud, but shows favour to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. As we carry on uh, this series, What's So Amazing About Grace, we're looking here at the whole issue of authority, of leading, and leading of exercising authority, and of submitting to authority. A subject that can seem quite kind of toxic and even ugly in uh, our society at the moment. A kind of subject we want to shy away from. We don't want authority. Authority, maybe that's not, maybe that's a kind of wrong thing. But Peter draws us to an understanding of what godly leadership, godly exercising of authority and submitting to authority looks like. Not kind of what we might stereotypically think of in the world. Well, it's about being assertive and charismatic and powerful and power hungry and, and, and having a can-do attitude that's super confident. Now, see, Peter doesn't draw us in that direction. In fact, Peter draws us to one very specific thing. It's about humility. It's about humility. So we're going to look at what Peter says about elders specifically uh, and just look at this whole thing of in grace, being under authority and exercising authority uh, as we look at what Peter says. What does Peter say? Peter calls elders to be shepherds eagerly serving as examples to the flock. So let's look at those three things. He says, be shepherds. Uh, be shepherds of God's flock that's under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be. He draws this picture of the shepherd, so uh, vivid throughout scripture. But this idea of shepherds look after sheep, and particularly in that time, that might have meant taking sheep across the country, looking for pasture, looking for the right pasture land, keeping them safe from wild animals, keeping them, uh, looking after the sheep that might want to run off, but keeping them safe. And Jesus, of course, himself in John chapter 10, describes himself as the good shepherd, the one who lays his life down for the sheep. This is how... Peter is describing leadership in God's church. Shepherds who look after and watch over the sheep. Now, Peter must have remembered that scene on the beach. Jesus has risen from the dead. Jesus has come to his disciples. Uh, and in John chapter 21, 
the disciples are out in a boat fishing. Jesus comes to them. He's on the beach and he says, have you caught any fish? They say, no. Let your nets down on the other side. They catch so many fish. They have breakfast on the beach. And then Jesus has this conversation with Peter, with Simon Peter. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He asks him three times, kind of echoing the denials in the courtyard. Jesus said, you know, Lord, I love you. But what does Jesus say to him? Feed my lambs. This is Jesus' gracious commissioning to Peter. Be a shepherd. Feed my lambs. Look after them. Care for them. This is what it is to, to lead in the kingdom of God. To be shepherds. Shepherds weren't, wasn't particularly a job that had any glory attached to it. David was the youngest in the family who was sent out to look after the sheep. In Bethlehem, we see the shepherds living out in the fields at night, looking after the sheep. It's not glamorous or prestigious in that sense. This is what God calls leaders to do, to be shepherds, serving others. We've looked at this before in 1 Peter chapter 4, that we should, uh, in 1 Peter 4 verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace. To serve others with what he has given us. Paul, when he addresses the Ephesian elders and saying, this is what I did when I was with you, in Acts chapter 20, verse 18, he's, he's going away from him. He, he draws on this. This is, this is what I've done with you. Acts uh, chapter 20 and verse 18. When they arrived, the elders, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. Serving. Not coming and, and being a big shot. Coming to serve. Coming to serve. A shepherd who serves setting an example to the sheep. In verse 3, Peter draws our attention here. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. You see, in Matthew chapter 20, uh, James and John come with their mother to Jesus and their mother asks this question, oh, can my sons have the best places on your left and your right in your glory? And they're kind of missing the point. Jesus said, no, you're missing the point. It's not about position or glory. It's about serving. It's about being, uh, becoming a servant. Not lording it over. This is what Jesus then says in Matthew 20, 20 verse 25. He says the same thing that Peter then repeats here. Don't lord it over like them like the Gentile, leaders of the Gentiles do. There's this idea, lording it over them, that they've got the special seats and the special titles and they're up on a pedestal and they're issuing the decrees. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. A sense of pride. Look at me. I've made it to the top. I'm the one who you need to listen to. Perhaps even a, a hypocrisy. Do as I say. I'm going to do what I like, but you need to do as I say. Do as I say, not as I do. 
You see, we don't like that hypocrisy. It gets to us. We, 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 it riles us. That can be seen, whatever the rights and wrongs of the story, in the way people reacted to the, the situation with Dominic Cummings recently. Again, not getting into the details of the rights and wrongs, but so much of the, the anger towards it was a sense of, oh, well, it's one rule for them and another for us. The elite at the top get to do one thing while we have to do another. We don't like that kind of hypocrisy, rightly or wrongly, whether that was actually what happened. Don't lord it over them like the rulers of the Gentiles do. You see, it's a, suggesting a pride and a puffed upness, a pride that can so easily keep in. But Peter says, like Jesus did back in Matthew 20, don't be like that. Instead, be humble. Be Christ-like. Again, Peter will be remembering what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do at the Last Supper? In John chapter 13, after the meal, he gets water. And he comes and he washes his disciples' feet. In John 13 and verse 15, after he's finished, Peter will remember, Oh, I, I didn't want you to wash my feet, but Jesus explains he needs to. But then in John 13 and verse 14, in fact, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant's greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Jesus is showing them this is what it is to lead. This is what it is to be a leader in the kingdom of God, to serve to set an example, to follow his example and keep setting an example for those who come after. This is Jesus. Back to that story in Matthew 20. How does he end it? The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Matthew 20, verse 28. You see, Peter's showing us this is what it's truly like to biblically lead. It's not about draconianly exercising authority. Here's the rules, you need to do them. You need to listen to me because I'm in charge. But to humbly serve like Jesus our Saviour. This, rather than being ugly and horrible, is a beautiful thing. You see, Peter talks about leading, about elders, but he's talking about humbly following Jesus. This is how we are to live. In fact, he goes on to say... Verse, verse 5, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favour to the humble. You see, Peter's giving a big calling to us all. This is what it's truly like to be involved with biblical authority, submitting to biblical authority and leading with humble, uh, in humbleness. Leading humbly, serving. This is a beautiful thing rather than an ugly thing. He's said already in the letter about submitting to authorities, about... Uh, the relationship between slaves and masters even, about wives and husbands, and here about elders and the church. He's coming, look, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus in these things, to be Christ-like. 
like Jesus is described in Philippians chapter 2. Paul encouraged us to be, to be like Jesus. In Philippians uh, chapter 2. And verse 5, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Peter's encouraging us here. Be like Jesus. Be humble. What is it to be a leader? What is it to to lead in the kingdom of God? Is it about position and title and status and being able to tell everyone what to do? No, it's about serving humbly. Like Jesus did, laying down his life for the sheep. And the truth is, it's all because of grace. You see, whatever position of leadership or wherever we find ourselves serving, however it works out for us, it's all because of his grace. Therefore, there is no room for pride. There is no room to say, look at me, look at, how, look at where I've come to. It's all because of his grace. That's why Peter draws attention uh, to this quote, God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. Because we humbly recognise it's him who's done it. It's him who has, made, has brought us into this position, into this place. It's not because of our brilliance, not ultimately because of our hard work, but the grace of God at work in us. As we did see in 1 Peter 4, 10, before each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace. He's done it. It's because of him. It's in his strength. So no, we can't be puffed up leaders who say, no, you need to do what I say. Or to think, well, who's he to tell me what to do? I, I know best. I know what I'm talking about. No, we come humbly before our God, who is the one who knows all and knows the best for us. See, this is life in the spirit, living by faith, by the grace of God to walk humbly with our God. Leading and following in his strength. You see, acknowledging our need of him. I saw a story, I was drawn attention to a story that's actually in D.A. Carson's book, A Call to Spiritual Reformation. Andrew Wilson posted it on a Think Theology blog this week on Facebook. I wanted to laugh at it until I read the punchline. Uh, it's a story a woman, Lillian Guilds, tells the story uh, of her and her husband driving along a road. They come upon a driver who's stranded by the side of the road. It turns out the problem is that he set off from his house in such a hurry, so desperate to get to his meeting, his business, important business meeting. And even though he knew his car was almost out of petrol, he carried on regardless, didn't stop to fill up. And of course, his car ran out of petrol. So they help him. They happen to have some fuel with them. Uh, they've got a small amount, like a petrol can's worth. They put that in the car and, and instruct him, look, there's a garage just up ahead. And he's very thankful and off he goes. But 12 miles down the road, they come across him again. And he's off to the side of the road and he's run out of petrol again. You see, he was so 
keen to get to his meeting, he just carried on regardless. He didn't pull in at the petrol station. He was so desperate to get there that he just ran out again, hoping against all hope that somehow he'd have enough fuel, even though he didn't stop to fill up. And again, I was about to laugh until, again, D.A. Carson draws the punchline, the, the, the application of the story. Isn't that so often like us in our walk with God? I can do this. I'm going to crack on. I need to get prepared for this. I need to preach. So I need to, I need to do my preparation. No, I need to stop and receive from him. I need to know it's in his strength. I need to be filled with his spirit afresh. God, come and fill me. It's in your strength, Lord. I can't do it on my own. Personally, that was uh, just a real moment again this week. God, I need you. Humbly, I need you. You see, Peter uh, is drawing our attention. We know authority, when used badly, can be really ugly. We know that in our modern world. But exercising and submitting to right authority that is brought humbly is beautiful. This is what Christ has shown us. The world needs to see godly leadership and submission. Whether that's brought about in the church, as Peter is drawing our attention to here, this wonderful picture, shepherds with their flock. You see, what does it look like? It's not, it doesn't mean unquestioning obedience to dictatorial decrees, that's ugly. But neither does it mean leaders who are really too scared to do anything and a load of suspicious followers who think they know best all the time. What does it look like? A people all humbly following God together. Submitting, trusting, along with shepherds who are willing like Christ, to lay down their lives for the sheep. Again, it's not unquestioning. Remember the Bereans, who were of more noble character than the Thessalonians. They eagerly received what Paul uh, was bringing, but they searched the scriptures to confirm that what he was saying was true. If you've got questions about anything we're doing, about anything we say, please come and ask. Please ask, let us talk about it. Let's see, let's learn together, humbly. And it's also not about never putting yourself forward. You see, it can be ugly to always be looking after number one. I, I'm trying to get ahead, I'm trying to be the one. But that can cause us to fall back and say, no, no, I couldn't possibly. I need to stay humble. We can drift into false humility. When actually, as Peter has already commanded us, Let's use anything, everything that God has given us to serve others. It also, this godly attitude to uh, authority works out in marriage and in the family. A great place of submission and self-sacrificial love, self-sacrificing love. Again, it can't be dictatorial or, or usurping or kind of wrestling and trying to battle for the authority, but actually can be something beautiful. You see, Paul paints the picture of marriage. Wives submit to your husbands as you do to Christ, and husbands love your wives as Christ loves the church. 
as Christ loved the church and laid his life down for it. Marriage, what a beautiful picture of Jesus's relationship with the church. A beautiful, beautiful picture to live out. It's true with parents, with their children. Ephesians 6, we could go there, uh, talks about children obeying their parents. And this is right to do, honour your father and mother. And it goes on to say that fathers and parents in general have a responsibility to teach and to instruct, to bring up and lead our children. But again, in love and humility, it's not people issuing edict. You have to do what I say. Oh, I don't want to. But in love and humility, recognizing that God has put us in a safe place. In our workplaces. How are we in our workplaces? How do we lead and how do we respond to leadership? How can we display godly humility in the way we interact with bosses, with colleagues, with teams that we lead? How can we paint a kingdom picture in those places? And as well as that, how, how do we submit to authorities, to the government, to the council, whatever it might be, to people in authority? We're given a glimpse of, of that in Romans 13, verse 1. Paul tells us to submit to all, to all human authority because God has put them, in, put them there. And in 1 Timothy 2, he talk, tells us to pray for kings and all who are in authority. So we have these specific submit and pray. How do we do that humbly? Well, let's not be quick to judge or to attack. So easy to attack leaders. What are they doing? I wouldn't do it like that. Oh, this, this just seems such a mess. Why do they keep fiddling with schools? And why do they keep doing this? Why do they do that? Can resort to name calling. Oh, typical Tories. Oh, same old Labour and so many other things. So easy to be drawn into even more vindictive and nasty comments, particularly on social media when we're called to humbly submit and pray with humility, acknowledging firstly that we don't have all the answers and acknowledging that we and our leaders are human beings. We come and submit humbly, knowing that they won't always do the things that we want them to. I want to take a couple, I want to close by taking a couple of minutes, even in looking at this subject. I think it's right to, to ask, how do we therefore respond to issues like those highlighted in the recent events in the US, the murder of George Floyd? Where attention has been drawn both to that horrific evil event, but more broadly to the the ugly, the ugly sight of systemic racism and discrimination in society. Well, I would ask us that we respond with humility. I feel particularly that need as a white man to say I'm coming with humility to the situation. But I would say that humility doesn't equal silence. Uh, I was helped, a few people have shared uh, 
a guy called Obioma Agola uh, just produced a little video uh, just saying what kind of things could you do in response. And I won't go into what he said in that video, but one line drew my attention. Be brave in your humility in thinking about today. You see, it is right in humility, I feel it's right personally, to humbly call out that which is blatantly and horribly wrong, racist and unjust. George Floyd's murder was wrong. It was a racist and horrible attack. To humbly acknowledge that I don't and I can't fully understand. To humbly acknowledge as well that this problem is not one that is far away in America only, but here in the UK too. In our history and now as well. How else do we respond? Well, I say, I want to humbly examine my own heart. I want to humbly love my neighbour. I want to humbly apologise for being silent, perhaps for not hearing, and to apologise to those even here in this church who know far more than I ever can what this is like. So I'm sorry. As a church, I would encourage us to humbly examine our hearts. And let's be the church. Let's be those who bring God's kingdom values to love one another, to love our neighbour as ourselves, to bring God's kingdom values. And humbly, let's pray. We're going to do that tonight, very definitely. Uh, and we're going to do it, we'll probably pray in a moment as well. But we're going to come and spend some time praying tonight. Uh, and we'll definitely pray on this subject. We're going to close by singing Amazing Grace. I hadn't thought about it when we, uh, when we planned that. Amazing Grace, written by John Newton, who once was a slave trader. And he met with the grace of God, and God turned him around. See, in responding to all of this, and even thinking about leadership and authority and all those things, the world needs God's grace. We need God's grace that changes hearts and minds. That's what's so amazing about grace. Let's sing together. <laughs>